Hello, this is Bittersweet Ramblings, and today I am going to talk about The Money Pit, which is a movie about a house that is contriving to kill its current owners using Ruby Goldberg-like machinations. Because the new owners are jerks. I mean, they're, they're charming jerks, but they're still jerks. And, and they're, not, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed either, and kind of greedy. So let's get started. For anyone who is not aware, a Ruby Goldberg machine involves an open type of machine. So it's not closed off, it's open. And it involves an excessive number of steps and unusual materials like toys or gaming equipment used to achieve a very simple goal. It's very similar, it's, it's basically the breakfast machine in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The more just ridiculous and useless the machine and the steps, the more Ruby Goldberg-like it is. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about Ruby Goldberg machines throughout this entire episode because I am enchanted by all of them. The more steps, the more ridiculous they are, the more into that machine I am. Now the Money Pit is about a house that was left to its own devices for years. The electricity was turned off, it was neglected, the plumbing was left to rot. It was huge and it was on its own for years. When some sort of con artist comes in, throws down a bunch of rugs and hauls in a couple who really they're looking for something that they cannot afford. And they're annoying as shit. And they are planning on scoring the house for cheap by taking advantage of a delusional old lady and getting a house that is clearly too big for them to take care of. Now the house, over these years of neglect, seems to have become sentient and really seems to have had enough of these two and wants to start with a clean slate. At first, the house tried to give them a few subtle hints about the structural damage and the electrical issues and tried to get them to make some basic household repairs. And what did they do? They tried to hire the most cheap, bare-bone construction crew to repair the home that they could. Which is the point in time where the house has just sort of had it. And it starts to create accidents. Every part of the accident looks like it was just one sort of chaotic incident. But they all seem to link together to be sequenced to cause the most possible damage. So how can it get rid of these two who clearly don't appreciate its, you know, tiny little quirks? It's going to take them out. But eventually, I think the house realized that it was not going to have to do anything as they were probably going to die in a mishap with a small appliance and a paper towel without any assistance. There is only one star of the movie The Money Pit, and that is the house. The house and all of its amazing, happy little accidents. They're detailed, they're systematic, like one little thing leads to a slightly bigger thing, which leads to another very big thing, and they just, the way that they compile is magnificent. And they are a little bit too close to real life sometimes, as anyone who has done some small home repairs can attest to. Seriously, things that you would not think would go wrong will go wrong, and then they will just compound. 
whenever you think that you're close to getting done, you'll realize there's actually about 15 more steps than you anticipate. And that's without adding the 12 extra steps that they always seem to add on like this old house episodes. Really, it's, it's probably just your house testing you just to make sure that you're worthy of staying in it. It's, it's a tiny little way for the house to say, do you deserve me? Have you been paying enough attention to me? There was a part in the movie where Tom Hanks fell through a hole in the floor and then knocked a hole in the ceiling in the room below and got stuck. This is not as impossible as it seems. Hypothetically, someone who may have been helping her parents with their house may have stuck their foot through a hole in the floor and knocked a hole in the ceiling in the kitchen below. Eventually, that person will hypothetically get around to fixing it. But really, for now, isn't it just a wonderful daily reminder to the parents that, you know, their child was helping them? They should be grateful for that. Hypothetically speaking, if someone had put their foot through a hole in the floor and knocked out the ceiling in the kitchen below. That, that... That takes love. I've, you know, I've, I've taken down a few walls, non-structural. And, you know, I've really only had one partial wall fall on me. So my batting average with home repair is really pretty good. Unless it's plumbing. Plumbing is, is a horror story uh, on its own. If, if, if our plumbing turns sentient, we are all doomed. It is the most malevolent type of home repair in existence. If you have one of those smart homes, for the sake of mankind, do not hook up anything associated with plumbing materials to your smart home crap. We, we can't take the chance that the plumbing will learn to exist on its own. I had an existential shudder at the thought of Poseidon and his lot joining like the World Wide Web. If they realize that there are no longer limitations on where water flows and that it's in every house everywhere because of indoor plumbing and that they're not tied to streams and springs and oceans, we're screwed. You're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to kneel down to your toilet every time you need to drop a load or risk being like swallowed by a sewer nymph because by now they would have run out of rivers and springs and stuff. And those great gods, they don't screw around. Don't, don't invite them into your smart home. For the sake of us all. So I grew up watching Wile E. Coyote and his brilliantly deranged plans. His, his Ruby Goldberg-esque contraptions were always the most complex way of doing things. With, with them usually ending horribly wrong for Wile E. They were elaborate. They used graphs. They used charts. They used diagrams to show how it was supposed to work. And it was a complete failure pretty much every time. And, and true engineer that he was, he would get up, brush himself off, and try it again later that day or the next day. And, and the products he got, they were all these Acme products. It's, to this day, if you put the name Acme on a product, I'll buy it. Did did I need that set of paperworks that look like really poorly drawn sheep? Yes. Yes, I do. They 
they came from Acme. They have Acme on the bottom. That's uh, that's a quality product. Nothing screams quality like something from Acme. I stand in solidarity with Wile E. Coyote. Acme products forever for me. And why? Because his commitment was outstanding. Never give up. Continue analyzing what went wrong and continue trying to fix it. He was an engineer. He was a scientist. He would keep trying. He was, he was also a, a tiny bit deranged because without fail, he seemed to walk into his own traps, possibly due to short-term memory loss because of the number of head wounds he sustained over the years. Or is it more likely that although his, his own careful plans to capture, you know, worked in beta testing, but didn't work in production, maybe he felt that he needed to test them to make sure that they would work in production to make sure that his methodology was accurate. Because even if he ended up at the bottom of a canyon, he could be secure in the knowledge that his plan worked, he just had the weight calculations off a little bit. And yeah, having the coyote rip a roadrunner to pieces and eat it on a cartoon may be, you know, frowned upon. But that, that didn't mean that I wasn't rooting for the coyote with each show. You saw how the coyote was starving. You could see his ribs. And here was this stupid fat bird running around and taunting him. That bird was clearly ripe for the plucking. The idea of a Ruby Goldberg type of coincidence always draws me in, like, like a bug to a zapper. It's, it's a story within a story. You don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what twists or turns are going to be, but you know it's going to be something different and unique. There is a clear path. Sometimes stories or movies can meander. They can meander a lot. But with a Ruby Goldberg machine, there's a tight little spot where there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. You'll see a bowling ball that will start to roll down a track, or a set of dominoes that'll start to fall, or a feather will fall down and tilt a set of scales, and then you know that something is going to happen. You don't know what, but because of the way these machines are set up, you can see the machinations as they start to roll. And sometimes it's a good outcome for whoever started the machine, and sometimes it's not so good. But it's always entertaining for anyone watching. It's not quite as fun if you were stuck in the machine. It, that's a little bit more harrowing. To me, life is, life is a lot less like a woodland path, less traveled, or a yellow brick road. And, and more really like a Ruby Goldberg type of machine. You, you'll move along the path, but you don't know how you're going to move or what's going to be in the path or what meandering thing is going to happen next. It ranges a lot. Now, some people are able to ride the course in like a little matchbox cart. Usually, that particular course is usually smoothed out with some relative's cash. And then there are some people who kind of, you know, they're able to kind of duck through the little rows of pinwheels and, you know, might get a paper cut or two. And it might be a bit painful, but it's really just small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. And then there are some people who are just running their ass off in front of the bowling ball, which is, you know, coming towards them like the rock in an Indiana Jones movie. Screaming like a large man that's being chased by a rabid squirrel the entire way. Confused, but knowing at the same time that if you stop, things will not go well. 
I fall pretty firmly into that last category way more often than I would like. There, there are a lot of times when I'm just trying to outrun shit or look for a possible shortcut. Sometimes, you know, it sort of forces you down the path a little bit faster, but it still works on the nerves quite a bit. Life for a lot of people is more like Wile E. Coyote than we would like. You have these great plans, they are laid out brilliantly, and then they go to hell when someone else messes them up by not doing what you expect them to do. But Wiley, to his credit, was always doing his best to work his way out. Always coming up with a new plan. I mean, they were, they, they were horrible plans. And there was really not a good way for most of these plans to work. And far too many of these plans seem to involve him attaching himself to a rocket. And he also, you know, ran into rocks that had been painted to look like a... Like an open tunnel a lot. But really, he sustained a lot of head wounds, and that, that probably affected his decision-making abilities. But what's life without a little head trauma along the way? Especially if you're working on taking down a wall and your brother drops part of it on your head. Not that I'm bitter. This is pretty much, you know, how everything goes for most people. You come to a part of the path that is supposed to move you forward and instead of having like a mini windmill gently move you forward it just starts to beat on your head with the paddles and dump water on you you know while it's beating you but it's okay it it doesn't matter it will be okay everything will be okay you'll be a bit wet but okay as long as you can avoid poseidon and his minions those, those Greek gods will mess you up. So that is it for this episode. Thank you for listening and have a good night.